Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams begins a new series entitled The Vision. Throughout this series, we will look at the vision that God has given us specifically at Connection Church, but more importantly, the vision that God has given His church. Listen as Brandon shares some key truths that will allow us to unlock the potential God has placed in us. Well, good morning. How's everybody? You excited? And worship was awesome this morning, wasn't it? There, man, thank God for this worship team. They are unbelievable, and, and as gifted and as talented as they are on stage, the thing that impresses me the most about them is their hearts, and uh, they love the Lord with everything that's in them, and I'm so thankful that they're here and a part of this team that, that brings you into worship every Sunday. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time here, welcome, man. We are excited that you came to worship with us and excited about what God has already done through worship, but, but excited also about what he's going to do through his word. Um, I want to remind you real quick, if you have not signed up for the vision dinner, the vision lunch after church, you can still stay. We, we plan for extra food. Um, just, just exit out of here and go. If you have children um, and, and they're over in Connection Kids, when this is over, if you'll go ahead and go and begin to fix their plates, we're actually going to bring your children to you, okay? So um, don't worry about that. We'll take good care of them. we got people that are going to escort them right up the hallway and get them to you. You can have their plates ready, try to make this as easy for you guys as we possibly can. Got no idea what that was. Um, also, uh, we, are, we are doing the baptisms next week. If you have given your life to Christ, you've made him the Lord of your life, you've made him your Savior, you're trusting in him for eternal life, and you have not been baptized, we want you to be baptized because we believe that the next step after receiving Christ is baptism. You can sign up to do that at our Next Steps table right out these doors. Sign up. We're going to dunk you next week. It's going to be awesome. It's one of the best, uh, best times we have and we share as a church. So um, come and be a part of that if you have not um, uh, been baptized and, and you've made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Come and be a part of that on uh, next Sunday, July 17th. All right, the next four weeks, this is what we're doing. We're going to be going through a series called The Vision. And, and what we're going to look at, we're going to look at what um, the calling of this church, Connection Church, what, what is the vision of this church? What are we doing? But, but more importantly, we are going to be looking at what's the vision that God has for his church, right? It's not about Connection Church. It's about advancing the kingdom of God, right? And that's what we're here for. It, it's not to lift our name. It is to advance the cause of Christ. And so we want to be looking at that. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 9, the very last, last verse in there, 9.27. And we're going to go through 10.24. Uh, and we're going to look at some things today. Um, one of the things that we're going to do during these four weeks is I really want to go through some of the scriptures that the Lord gave me when we started this church. So these are the key scriptures. Some of these scriptures are, 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 are really the foundation of starting Connection Church and, and what we believe God's called us to do, what we believe God has called His church to do. And so the next four weeks, I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about the purpose of the church. I mean, that's why we exist. We're going to talk about that a lot today. God put us here. God saved us. God redeemed us, not so we could sit on our hands for 75, 80 years, but so that we could carry His name forward and take back from Satan what belongs to God. Right? Y'all got to get a little bit more excited than that. This is going to be fun today. Amen? All right, so we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 9, beginning. I want to set it up for you, though. Um, king Saul, Saul was actually the first king of Israel. Israel never had a king. God was their king. The people began to complain. They wanted their own king. So finally God goes, okay, I'm going to give you a king, but here's the deal. You're probably not going to like it a whole lot. And he told them all the things that were going to happen. And, and so finally, there comes this point when, when God uses his man, Samuel, 
who was leading Israel at that time, he uses, he uses Samuel to, to find Saul. And, and God identifies Saul to Samuel. And then Samuel actually anoints Saul to be king. And this is where we're going to pick up today as Samuel is anointing Saul to be the king over Israel. Now, the thing that we're going to see and the thing if you read about the life of Saul, that what happens is, is that Saul never really does what he was created to do. He never really fulfills the potential that God gave him. I mean, he's the first king over Israel. And and he ends up going through his entire life and never really stepping into what God has for him. He never really fulfills the potential that God had put before him. And and we're going to look at that because here's the thing I don't want to do. And I don't want you to do. I don't want us to get to the end of our lives and look back and, and, and go, what if? What if? What if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? What if I'd followed God? What if I'd really taken the steps of faith he put on my heart to take? What if? And so many people just go from birth to to the grave and they never fulfill what they were created to fulfill because I want to tell you, God has a great purpose for us as his church and it is to bring lost people to the knowledge of a Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So if you have your Bibles turned, we're going to look at where Samuel comes and actually begins to anoint Saul. And and here's the thing I want to do today. I want to give you five key truths that I believe if we can grab hold of these five keys, they will unlock the potential in our lives. But it's things that we've got to grab hold of. It's things that we've got to realize about ourselves and about God. So I want to read to you um, 1 Samuel chapter 9. I'm only going to read one verse and then we're going to talk about that verse. We'll just go through these scriptures and look at these truths. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while, so that I may give you a message from God. Let's pray and ask God to use his word mightily. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your heart for us, God. Thank you for the riches of Christ that are ours, because you came to us, Lord. We didn't find you. You found us, God. You came to us in in, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our mistakes. God, you came and revealed yourself to us. God, thank you. And today I pray that through your word, there would be a great revelation of who you are, that people, God, today would would, would hear for the first time, that you, you would open their eyes for the first time to see the truth of the gospel message, that, God, you would you would begin to draw us nearer to you, that, God, we would draw near to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for your word. Just, 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 just do something awesome in our lives today, God. We just ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you like to hunt? Anybody, anybody any hunters in here? Get your hands up. There's, it's funny because there's always as many women as, as, as men. That's awesome. Like women with guns. It's crazy. Um, but here's the thing. Like down here, we don't, we don't go hunting, right? We don't go hunting. We go hunting. Right? We go hunting. And I have been hunting for a long time. I, my family, it's just one of those things that, that we do. We hunt and we fish. We go hunting. And, uh, and so it's kind of passed down from my granddaddy to his dad. My dad passed it down to me, and now I'm passing it down to my sons. And one of them, one of my sons, my eight-year-old, Dake, really got bit by this bug, man. I mean, he loves to hunt, sometimes to the point it's scary. Like, why does he like killing stuff so much? You know, I just, I don't know what's going on in that little eight-year-old mind. But one of the, he loves to go hunting, he loves to go, go fishing, he loves to do anything outside. And so last Christmas, we got in this little youth model 243. For those of you who know anything about it, it's just a small gauge gun. It's, it's like a good little gun for a, a small child. And so 
We got him this rifle, and he shot it a few times, and he's dangerous. you got to stay away from him. But, but we, he shot it a few times, and, and so the other day, he was like, Daddy, I want to shoot my gun, I want to shoot my gun. So we, we took it out, and we set up a target, and, and, and Dave gets his gun, and he's sitting there, and we, a friend of ours was down there with us, and we're, we're looking, and, and he's shooting. He's about to shoot the target, and he's drawing down on it. And, and, and I could see like the, the, around his fingernails, and the ends of his fingers were like white. I mean, he had this grip on this gun like, man, it was going to run away or something, right? And I'm like, okay, son, shoot. No, really, really, shoot. You can, you can shoot now. And he's just sitting there and would not pull the trigger. And I'd say, Dave, shoot. He'd go, well, it's moving too much. I'm going to miss. I'm like, I don't care. Just shoot the gun. Just shoot. We'll worry about hitting the target in a minute. Just shoot. After about three or four times, I said, Dave, are you scared? He said, uh-huh. I said, what are you scared of? It's going to kick. And so with, with, with all the, the fatherly love and, and, and the comfort that I could offer, I just said, shoot the gun. I didn't really do that, but that's what I wanted. I was like, just shoot the gun for the love. Just shoot the gun. Just pull the trigger. That's all you guys. Bam. That's it. It's real easy. And he'd sit there and he'd sit there and sit there and he'd sit there. And so we'd sit there and I'm just like, oh, Lord, just, just let him shoot the gun. And so finally he pulls the trigger. Bam. And, and hit, actually hit the target. It was really awesome. But you know, the thing I thought about with that is the whole time he's sitting there and he's not pulling the trigger, he's not shooting the gun, within that bullet, within that ammunition, within that shell is all kinds of potential. Right? There's all kinds of potential in there. There's, there I mean, it has the, the potential for making a huge impact on whatever it hits on the target that it's aimed at. It has a huge potential. And, and the problem, though, was he wouldn't pull the trigger. Because unless he pulls the trigger, unless he actually aims the gun and pulls the trigger, nothing happens. And the thing that we've got to realize is our lives are a lot like that. Until we pull the trigger, until we begin to step into what God's called us to, until we begin to trust God to do in us and through us what he's promised in his word, we will never see the full potential of the impact we can make on the world. You know, when, when you pull the trigger, it starts this like chain reaction. The hammer on the gun hits the, the cap on the end of the, the, the bullet and the, the cap ignites the gunpowder and then the gunpowder blows out the other end and it blows a bullet and it hits the target and it makes an impact. Guys, for some of us, we have been sitting in church for far too long, not making an impact. It's time to pull the freaking trigger. Right? We've been sitting around far too long. The church is loaded with potential. You are loaded with potential. Listen to me. The God of the universe lives inside of you. How could you not be full of potential? It's not about your strengths. It's not about your weaknesses. It's about his ability in you. It's time that you and I get off our butt and we start doing stuff. We start being the church. We start going to the least of these. See, we got to realize we didn't start this church to reach people like us. We started this church to reach the least, to reach the poor. And here's the good news, guys. Jesus came for the sick. He didn't come for those who were perfect. If you think you're perfect, you can leave now. Right? There's no perfect people in here. Raise your hand if, you're, if you've made, if you sinned. All right, you're not perfect. Good. We got that out of the way. Now we can all just be real about it. We've all messed up. And it's time that we start doing the things that we were created to do. And the first thing I want you to tell you, that, that if we don't grab hold of this first key and this first verse, the rest of it doesn't matter. The rest of it is a mute point. Listen to me, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to have a personal encounter with, a, with God that leads to a clear 
public purpose. A personal encounter with God that leads to a clear public purpose. See, here's, here's Samuel and Saul. Samuel says, sends everybody else away. And he delivers the message of the Lord to Saul. Because here's the truth, guys. Until we hear it for ourselves, until God speaks it to our heart, until we have a personal encounter with him, we will never, ever be assured of who we are. And, and, and we will never really be able to do the things that God has called us to do. One of the greatest problems with us not fulfilling our potential is because we never spend time with the one who gave it to us. How are we going to do what the creator created us to do if the creation never spends time with the creator? It don't make sense. We need to get with God. We, we've got to have a personal experience with Jesus. That's where it all starts. You can't share something you don't have. Right? You cannot share something you don't have. If you have not had a personal encounter with the Lord, how can you tell somebody else about it? It's like trying to describe somebody you've never met. Have you met him? Do you know him? Have you had the personal encounter? Because this is the thing I know. He died to meet you. He died so that you can know him. So that, that, that you could find yourself in him. Isn't that incredible that the God of the universe so desperately desires for you to know him that he would give his own life to spare you from his wrath, saving you from himself. Do you realize that? God didn't save us from somebody else. He saved us from himself. We deserve punishment. We, we deserve death. And God says, you know what? I'm not giving up on my creation. And he came and he made a way for us to know him through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for him uh, paying for our sin. And most every one of you raised your hand a moment ago and said, I have sinned. So that therefore means that apart from Christ, you are separated from God. How many sins did it take Adam and Eve to be separated from God? One. If we have sinned, we are separated. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, we can have a personal encounter with God. How awesome is that? And how much do we take that for granted every day of our life when we have the opportunity to open our Bibles and to get on our knees and to pray and to listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father? How much do we take it for granted? And listen, I'm not up here standing here just preaching at you. I'm preaching to me too. There are times when I look at my Bible sitting on the, the coffee table or sitting on my desk and I'm like, you know what? I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I'd like to just go get another cup of coffee or I'd like to listen. But what I've learned over the years is I can't live without this. I can't, I can't stay grounded without that because apart from this word and apart from God, I don't know who I am. But we have the opportunity to know Christ, to know him personally, to gain the riches of God. You know, this is one of the things that I struggle with for, for a long, long time is, is I, I struggle with my calling. And I find a lot of young men, they, they struggle with this calling. Young women, am I called? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Am I really called to ministry? And, you know, I, did, I was in ministry and still struggling with this call. And let me tell you kind of how it went. If on Sunday, if I preached a good message, I was called. I was called. That's like, no doubt, I am called, man, because, bam, spiked my Bible. That was awesome. Right? But then the next Sunday, if it wasn't as good as the last Sunday, I didn't one-up it, you know what? I wasn't called. Dadgum. And let me tell you, it was hell 
around the Williams household on those Sundays. Susan just be like, just, just go, go take a nap. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Canada for a while. And y'all, you just take a nap. And because it was so bad because my calling was pivotal upon my performance. And so many people live in this roller coaster of, yeah, I'm saved. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm called. No, I'm not. And, and you know what it took for me? It took me going through the most difficult time of my life, getting to the bottom of who I, I was, who I thought I was. I actually heard in my head during this time, every dream you've ever had will never happen. And it got so bad that, that my wife said, Brandon, you've got to go get by yourself. You've got to go hear God. And you've got to go figure out what he's telling us to do as a family. And I went out to this cabin. It was, it was about three miles from any. I mean, I don't, it was out in the middle of nowhere, right? And, and, and it was just, it, it was by, I was by myself. And I'm sitting on the front porch of this cabin, which, by the way, I found out later the name of the cabin was God's house. Isn't that cool? I'm sitting on the front porch of God's house reading my Bible, and I get to these scriptures. And God begins to speak to me about a church in Statesboro. And at my lowest moment, God began to give me my greatest dream. And sitting there, when I had nothing, I was 33. I was unemployed. I had two kids, no ministry, a wife. I didn't know what I was going to do. And at my lowest point, when everything else seemed to be gone and taken away, God spoke to my heart and said, you are a pastor. And you know, here's the awesome thing. I'm glad one person's glad of that. Thank you. (laughs) Praise God. We'll change the world. We'll change the world. And, and, And right there. And see, here's the thing I realized. If God confirms you in who you are, at the lowest point in the depth of the valley, nobody can take it away from you on the mountaintop. And you know what? It don't matter. Listen, it don't matter now. If I preach a good message, praise God. If I preach a bad message, I don't pout as bad. I'm a work in progress. But you know what I never do? I never go. I don't know if I'm called. Because I got by myself. I got with God. And God spoke to my heart and said, this is who you are. So regardless of what you say, regardless of what anybody says, at the core of my being, I know if I walk away from ministry, I'm in disobedience to the Lord because I know what he called me to do. And guys, listen, you need to hear the Lord confirm you in who you are. Not just your professional calling, not just what you're supposed to do from nine to five every day, but who you are as a person and your identity in Jesus Christ. That is is the confirmation we need. Some of us need to get by ourselves and listen to that small, still voice of the Lord confirm His love in us. Some of us need to get by ourselves and let Him confirm again that we've been forgiven, that the blood has washed us clean, that we've been made whole. And we need to get by ourselves and allow Him to cover us and and love us and feel His arms wrap around us and know that we are held in the arms of the Almighty God who is completely sovereign and completely in control and whose hand no one can take you out of. That is what we need to do, is get by ourselves. Listen to the voice of the Lord tell you. Quit listening to everybody else and listen to what God has to say to you. Listen to these verses, 10, 1 and 2. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you'll be met, you'll meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, 
The donkeys you have set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? The second thing I want to encourage you with today, the second key, is that you have been appointed appointed and empowered for a kingdom purpose. Listen, Saul was anointed, he was appointed, and he was empowered to do the work of God. In this moment, Samuel takes that oil and he pours it over Samuel, uh, Saul's head, and he says, now you're anointed as the king. And later he tells him, do all that your hand finds to do, for the Lord is with you. Go and do it. You've been anointed. And the thing we've got to realize, church, is that we have been anointed, we have been appointed, we've been empowered to do the work of God. You have a great purpose. Some of us, I think, are just confused about what that is. Let me help you. It is to advance the kingdom of God and to spread His glory throughout the face of the earth. That is your purpose. Where you do that, how you do it, the specific way you do that, it's important, but it's not nearly as important as this first one. Until we understand that we are first and foremost created, whether it's in a bank, whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's riding on the back of a trash truck, whatever it is, we were created and empowered and we have been appointed to bring glory to God and to spread His his glory across the face of the earth. That's what we've been called to do. One of the problems that I think we have so many times is I I think that we, we don't really believe that God wants to use us. There are so many people I run into that just don't believe that God wants to use them. But the Word of God is so full of Scriptures that tell us that God created us to be used by Him, to bring glory to Him. And the thing we've got to do is get it through our head that God desires to use us. Every morning that the sole of your foot touches the floor, God desires to use you. Are you available? God desires to use you. We've been created by God in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared for us in advance. Ephesians 2.10, he created, you are his, are you really going to argue with God when he says, I created you to do good works that that I prepared for you? Are you going to tell the God of the universe he doesn't know what he's talking about? I don't want to have that argument. He's smarter than I am. Y'all don't say amen. If y'all say amen to that, y'all ain't said all men all morning long, uh, we're going to have a problem. Be talking about how dumb I am. But you were created for good works that God has already prepared for you to do. Let's get busy doing them. Let's get going and be the church so that we can see the kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we begin to be what we were created to be, the hope of the world, and that the glory of God begins to shine through us and that that light begins to draw people to themselves, to Himself. Right? Amen? The other thing I think I see, I mean, I see this all the time. People don't think God can use them. Like if we took a poll in here and people were honest, I guarantee you most people in here would would not think that God could use you to make a kingdom impact. With that, I say, read the word of God. God never used anybody that was like, oh yeah, I can do this. In fact, if if you're doing something and, and you look at it and you go, you know what? I think I can handle this. It's probably not God. I don't think God's ever really asked me to do anything I could do on my own. If I can do it on my own, I mean, what's the point? 
God calls us to do big things and he equips us to do big things. And the spirit of the living God lives inside of you so that you can make a kingdom impact. But we've got to grab hold of that. We've got to realize that. We've got to, we've got to embrace the fact that God can use us. You know, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is in Acts. It's, it's chapter 4, verse 13. And I love it because Peter and John have just healed this crippled man. And they healed him at the temple. It freaks out. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all those religious leaders of that day who were the leaders of the Jews, they flipped out anytime somebody did something and Jesus was glorified. And so they flip out and they call Peter and John in and they bring them before them. And they're, you know, they're kind of putting them through this court. And, and they're like, why did you do this? What do you, you can't speak in that name anymore. You can't do this. And they're like, listen, all we can do is tell you what we've seen. And, you know, we're going to talk about Jesus because there's no other way to salvation apart from Christ. And so that's what we're going to do. And it says that they step back, they look at Peter and they look at John and it says they took note that they had been with Jesus. But before that, it says this, they realized that they were ordinary, uneducated men. They realized they were ordinary, uneducated men. You know what's funny to me about that? The hope of the world, the church, was on their shoulders at this point, right? Right? Jesus had said, I'm transferring this to you. Now you carry out my will on the earth and bring people to me. And he put it on the shoulders of ordinary, uneducated men. And God used them to start a movement that has not been stopped in almost 2,000 years. Isn't that awesome? So here's my encouragement to you today. If you feel ordinary and you feel uneducated, congratulations. You're a prime candidate to be used in a mighty way for the kingdom of God. And let me take a little bit, one more step forward, okay? Check this out. That word ordinary, the word ordinary is actually the Greek word idiotes. Idiotes. Anybody know what word we got from that? Idiot. I even typed idiotes into, into my notes on, on uh, Friday, and it kicked it back out. It kicked it up to idiot. I was like, no, idiotes. Kicked it back to idiot. gum it. Idiotes. So basically what they were saying is, God's using idiots. And the good thing about God using idiots, people, is he gets the glory. So if you pat me on the back and you're like, man, that was a great message, you're going, man, you're a big idiot. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things because we have an amazing God that indwells us because you and I have been made temples of the Holy Spirit. God wants to and can use you. Step up to the plate. Begin to take a step of faith. Listen, one reason we never see God move is because we never take a step of faith that he's got to do something. Begin to trust him. Begin to go to that person at work that you've been waiting on. Every time you get around them at the coffee pot, your heart starts beating 100 miles an hour. Like, I know I got to tell them. I know I got to tell them. Just tell them. At school, man, the person said, just invite them to church. Make a relay. Actually invest your life in somebody who doesn't know Christ so that they can come to know him and his love and his glory and be a light that shines in the darkness so that people can find their way. Let's read some more scripture. 10, 8 through 13. It says, go down ahead of me to Gilgal. And this is, this is Samuel telling me, listen, he's anointed him. He's going on. He says, go on ahead of me and, and go to Gilgal. He says, I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. 
But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned, listen, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gabeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known, listen, when all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, and who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. The third key we've got to understand is that when you get a new life, you have a new purpose. When you come to a new life in Christ, you have a new purpose. How awesome is it that once his heart was changed, they're like, who is this guy? Who is he? We don't even recognize him. And we need to realize that a changed life equals a changed purpose. And it goes, and he, sees, he saw it going on this journey looking for these donkeys. That's how this whole thing got started. He's looking for his father's donkeys. And then he's coming back, and, and Samuel meets him, and all these things are going on. But Samuel tells him, he says, listen, the, the donkeys have been found. You're not supposed to worry about the donkeys anymore. Don't worry about that. Now you've got new business at hand. And when we come to Christ, we're no longer about our business. We're about the Father's business. That's what we're created for, is when we're, we're new in Christ, He gives us a new life. We attain to this new purpose. And you and I, from that point forward, are supposed to go and proclaim Him throughout the world. We're supposed to go with a new purpose to be about our Father's business. See, we have a personal encounter with Christ and find our purpose, but it doesn't stay personal. It becomes public. There becomes something inside of you that you just can't hold in. That you just got to tell somebody about. It'll keep you up at night. Because I got to tell somebody about the love of Christ that he has showered me with. About the forgiveness I've received that, that I did not deserve. And we need to realize that a changed life equals a new purpose. Y'all remember when Jesus was 12 years old. Remember they took a little trip to the temple in Jerusalem to do some worship. Y'all remember what happened on the way back? They forgot something. Anybody remember? They forgot Jesus. They forgot the Son of God. How do you forget the Son of God? It makes me wonder if they did it on purpose. Because it could have been, I mean, can you imagine being the parents of the Son of God? I mean, you think it would be good because he was perfect, he never sinned. But then again, it could be a little bit irritating because at the dinner table, he's finishing your sentences before you ever say them. He's like, I don't want to go clean my room. Joseph's like, Jesus, go clean your room. He's like, I hate it when he does that. Or, or like bedtime devotionals, right? Bedtime devotional, Jesus is like, well, actually, that's not the meaning of that. What I said was, and you couldn't use the line, like it would be one of those things where you're like, um, son, if you only knew half of what you think you know, right? I mean, he knows everything. He's smarter than you. And so maybe they left, I don't know, but after three days, they're like, we better go back and get him. And so they go and they find him in the temple and he's teaching and he's amazing everybody that listens to him. But what did he say when they were like, Jesus, where have you been? What are you doing? What did he say? Did you not know I had to be about my father's business? That ought to be our heart. That ought to be our cry, church. Don't you know I've got to be about my father's business? 
It's, it's not about doing church. It's not about band. It's not about lights. It's not about a preacher. And by the way, can I say this? I didn't preach for three weeks. And one of the reasons I didn't preach for three weeks is this. When it becomes more about the messenger than it is the message, we officially suck as a church. Can I say that? Is that okay? I hope so because I said it. It's not about the messenger. It is about the message. And we need to realize that God has called us to carry his message forward. It's not about a person. It is about glorifying God. It's about doing what he has called us to do. And when you come to Christ, you come as a new creation with a new purpose. And we need to step into that. We need to embrace that. We need to take advantage of the opportunity that God's given us to serve him. We need to quit worrying about the old things and realize that God has given us new things to do. Verses 10, 14 through 16. It says, Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Looking for the donkeys, he said. But, but when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, He assured us that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Listen, he didn't tell his uncle about what Samuel said about the kingship. The fourth key we've got to lock down on, and this, this is something that kills us all. I guarantee you, you can say this doesn't affect you, but I know it does in some way. Maybe not to the degree it does others, but it affects you. We have got to know who we are in Christ. We've got to see ourselves as God sees us, period. Period. We have got to see ourselves as God sees us. If we don't, we will never be able to do what God created us to do. Period. God has given us a calling. God has, has called us free. He's called us more than conquerors. He's, he, he wants us to be his people. He has freed us from sin. He's freed us from slavery. And then we need to understand that we are who God tells us we are. One of the things that's funny to me is everybody God ever called in the Bible made excuses for why they couldn't do what God called them to do. They made excuses. Little bit. Moses, he's like, I, I, I can't go. I mean, right? Remember, he stuttered. He's like, I can't go. I can't do this. I can't talk. God's like, Moses, just hush. I got this. Gideon, how about Gideon? Gideon, the, the, the angel comes to Gideon, and he's like, Gideon, mighty warrior. You know what Gideon was doing? He was hiding in a wine press from the enemy, trying to get enough grain for his family to eat and not let the, the Midianites find him. And he says, behold, mighty man of valor, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, who's he talking to? And yet God used him in an incredible way. How about Isaiah? God's calling Isaiah. Isaiah, he, he sees the, the glory of the Lord and he's like, woe is me, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips. And God takes a coal from the altar and he touches Isaiah's lips and he makes him clean. And then he uses him in incredible ways. You and I need to realize that God desires to use us in incredible ways. But we've got to see ourselves the way God sees us. Until we do, we will never do what we're called to do as followers of Christ. How can you step into your potential if you don't believe God when he tells you who you are? We can't. How can the church be what God called us to be until we begin to believe we are who he says we are? We can't. 
And so many of us have been through situations in the past where it was abuse, where there was tragedy, whatever it is, and, and, and we made mistakes and we've done stupid things. Can we also admit we've all done some stupid junk in our life? But we need to remember that our past doesn't have to dictate our future. Our past doesn't define who we are when we come to Christ. That he brings us into a new life in this new place and we are who he says we are. We are created to do good works that have already been prepared for us. That is who we are. But we've got to embrace it. We've got to grab hold of it. Some of you in here right now, there's something in your past and you know good and well it's robbing you of your future. Let that junk go. Your identity is in Jesus. Your identity is not in what your neighbor says. It's not in what the person sitting next to you right now says. Your identity is in a perfect Savior who gave his perfect life so that you could be made righteous. And the awesome thing is God gave you that righteousness and now he's trying to work that righteousness out in you. And he's faithful to do what he's promised. Don't let any voice identify you, tell you who you are. The only thing you need to know is that God has remade you. The past is gone. The old is gone. And the new has come. You are a new creature in Christ when you come to Christ as your Lord and you trust Him as your Savior. We are new creatures. I like that lady. And so you and I have this awesome opportunity to, to, to be to be this incredible vessel that God uses. And it's time that we step up and we start going and we start doing and we start sharing and we start loving and we start touching the least of these who nobody else will touch. And we start giving them hope that nobody else will give them. And that ought to be our heart. When we become such bigots that we think we can't stoop to the least of these, that my gosh, we need to take a step back and re-examine who we were before we knew Christ. Because there's nobody in here that has reached a point that 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 God's not still working on you, that God's not still transforming you, that God's not still trying to take you to another level. That's the hope of our God. You know, one of the funny things for me is I feel like ever since we kind of moved to Statesboro, we moved here in about 1985, and I realized real quick, like, if you weren't a Statesburyan, that's what we called them, if you weren't a Statesburyan, it was kind of hard to fit in. I don't know if it had anything to do with, like, the 8-inch rat tail I had or not, but anyway, um, that's kind of embarrassing, but... Um, but, but, but I came and it was like, we, we named everybody State Spirit because if you didn't know anybody. And I found out like, whenever I met somebody, the thing that they always said was, who's your daddy? Uh, and finally I realized like, they don't know him. And so finally I just quit telling them like, you don't know him. I'm not from here. Sorry. Look down your nose at me. I'm sorry. You know, and I'm not from here. And, and then you say, well, and if you did tell them, they would say, well, who's he some of? You're going to have to decipher that for me first because I got no clue what you're asking me when you say, who's he some of? But, but I found out, like, it was, it was this big deal. And, and really, not long after I got here, I started dating my wife, Susan. Um, we dated through junior high, high school. We did, I mean, like, forever and ever we dated. And, and, and I realized, like, once I started dating her, she's from Statesboro, I no longer had an identity. Like, when I met somebody, it, it never was, this is Brandon Williams. How are you doing? It was always, you know, this is Susan's boyfriend. And so I just was like Susan's boyfriend. That was, I was Susan's boyfriend for years. And then I, was, so I married Susan, and I became Bruce's son-in-law. And so I went from Susan's boyfriend to Susan's, I mean, to, from Susan's boyfriend to Bruce's son-in-law 
And then we had children, and my children got a little bit older, and so now I'm Dake's dad. And really, I never have, like, it was almost like I didn't have my own identity. It's like, you know, it was always identified through other people. But here's the thing that I want to tell you, because I know some of you feel the same way. There's some of you who lay awake in bed at night, and you wonder, who am I? What what is this about? What is this life about? Can I tell you, you are a child of the living God. It don't matter who your daddy was. You've got a heavenly father who's perfect. And don't take the feelings that you have from your, he- your earthly father and put them on him. Because there's not a father on the face of the earth, including me, who's perfect. He is perfect. His love is perfect. His love endures forever. He, listen, and he's not going back away. He is not backing away from you. It doesn't matter what you do, where you be. God offers you a new opportunity, a new chance. And he says, I've loaded you with potential because I've loaded you with myself. Now let's go change the world. That's our God. Your identity is in him. Get in this book right here. Hit your knees. Spend some time with the Lord and let him speak to your heart about who you are. And then when somebody else tries to tell you that that's not who you are, go back to this. See, I don't care what you say. I know who I am in Christ. Some of you are called to ministry. And let me tell you, the best lesson you can learn is I'm not called because so-and-so told me I'm called. I'm not called because they said so. I'm called because he said so. Because if he gives you the calling, they can't take it away. And realize your identity is in him and your father is perfect and he loves you more than you could possibly ever imagine and has greater plans and greater things for you to do for his kingdom. God always sees more inside you than people see outside you. You need to remember that. It doesn't matter what other people think. Do what God told you to do. And don't worry about what they say. The last one, verses 17 through 24. It says, Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah. And said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your calamities and distresses. And you have said, no, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your your tribes and clans. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. And that guy's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they required further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he's hidden himself among the baggage. Isn't that nice? They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There's no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Go back there to verse 22. And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. How would you like to follow that king? It would be like us going to inaugurate our president and them having to go dig him out of the bushes. I mean, I I don't want to follow that guy. I mean, here he is, he's hiding. God has told him, do whatever your hand finds to do. And he's going and he's hiding under the baggage. 
And you know, I read that. I've read this scripture so many times because, like I said, it's one of the key scriptures that, that God gave me when we founded this church. And I've read it so many times, but I know this is for this week. I know it like I'm standing here on this stage, and I know there are people here who need to hear it because I've never seen this before until this week. When I read that he was hiding under the baggage, it went off like a light in my heart that there are people here today who are hiding under the baggage of your life, and you're never going to fulfill your purpose until you step out from under the baggage in the freedom of Christ and you rise up to be what God has called you to be. And this is the thing I want to challenge you with. Don't let the weight of this world, don't let the weight of your past, don't let it hold you back. You cannot rise to your potential when you're weighted down with all these things you're not supposed to carry. Jesus carried those on the cross. You've been set free. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are free. And who he says is free indeed. Free. Don't let the weight of, of judgmental glares. You walk in here today and you feel like somebody looked at you wrong because you haven't been to church. Man, bump them. Know who you are. You're a child of God. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It matters what God thinks what God says about you. And I want to give you a, ch- a chance today to come out from under the baggage. Because I know many of you are toting it. And there are people in here today whose who freedom has, has, has is bypassed you. And it seems to be escaping you. And the number one reason is because you never, ever come to Christ who took that bondage, who took that weight it's holding you down, that baggage that's holding you down. Listen, if you can grab a hold of this key, that God Almighty has taken the things of this world upon himself. He's taking your sin. He's taking your mistakes. He's taking your judgment. He's taking all of that upon himself so that you can live in freedom. And every time Satan or somebody else tries to put it back on you, you put it back down. You just say, no thanks. Jesus took that for me. So guys, I have to do it all the time. That's why Paul said that we have to die daily. It's because, man, the, the world, it's like, it's like we're a big, uh, big sticky pad or something. And junk just likes to stick to us, doesn't it? It's like you can get out of bed and feel pretty good by the time you get to work. You're like, man, I feel like crap today. But guys, listen, Jesus died to bear that weight, to take that from us. He said, come to me, those of you who are weary, I will give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what he's telling you? He wants you to partner with him in ministry. But you know who bears the weight, who bears the load? He does. When we'll allow him. The day we have that opportunity. And here's the thing, guys. There are people in here right now, I know good well, who've never had that personal encounter. Jesus. And the first key was having a personal encounter that brings a clear public purpose. And some of us need to have that. And I believe there are probably people here today who know God is speaking to you right now. And we're going to give you that opportunity to make that profession today that I want Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I want to take the first key and I want to unlock my potential so that I can become what he created me to be 
that I can walk in freedom from sin and death and I can bring glory to my heavenly father. And the greatest part about it, I can gain God. I can know him. I can have a relationship with him through his word and through prayer. And so this is what I wanna ask you. If you don't know him, you've never had a personal relationship with him. Now I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about knowing him. I'm talking about a personal relationship where you know him encountered him and you want that today then today is your day we can seal this right now and this is what I want to ask you to do just step out from under the baggage of your sin and step free of the curse of death and I want you to do that by standing up right now right where you are you don't know amen who else amen brother who else Amen. Praise God, man. This is what I'm going to ask you guys. If you will, there's some awesome people over here that want to pray with you. We don't want to, we, you know, it's like I always said, we don't sacrifice goats over there. All we want to do is pray with you and, and just, just help you take your next step. We don't believe that salvation is the end. We believe it's the beginning of a new journey. If y'all will, just walk over there to these doors where the exit sign is and let us pray with you today and let us help you take your next step of faith. And praise God. We're almost done. We're almost done. Stay for the vision dinner and you don't have to go stand in line for lunch. But see, here's what I know is, is, is that some of you still are carrying baggage and you need to let that go. You need to walk free and quit hiding in the baggage and step into your potential. And you know God has spoken that to you today. I want to pray for you today. And, and again, just like, listen, they had the guts to stand up in front of all of you and say, I need Jesus. Now I want to ask you, if you are, are trapped under the baggage, and you need to, you know it's time. I've got to step out from under this and I've got to let God fulfill my potential in me. Not for my glory, for his glory. I'm ready to surrender it all and do everything he's called me to do. What I want you to do is right now stand up to your feet so we can pray for you. That God would do something awesome in your life and that we could, we could see God transform the city of Statesboro. Not just through us, through everybody. But it's going to take us stepping into our potential and doing everything that God created us to do. He is in you. He lives in you. He wants to do incredible things through you for his kingdom. Today we're going to step forward. We're going to believe that. Amen. I want to ask all of you to agree with me right now. We're going to pray for them. And guys, listen, I pray right now that God blows your mind with the things that he puts before you, the opportunities he puts before you, that you step into what God's called you to be. And that when you get to the end of your life, you don't look back and say, what if? Because you've done everything that God put before you and everything that your hand found to do. Let's pray.